What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Active Texan Podcast. I'm Dr. Brian Watts, your host, and today we have a special episode for you. We're going to be talking about all things ACL injury. Uh, we're really just going to be covering from the beginning uh, when you injure your knee all the way through maybe if the first few months of rehabilitation. Not going to really talk about the late stages other than time frame of when to return to play and uh, when the best time to do that would be safely and effectively so that you don't re-injure your knee. But I wanted to get on here and just get as much information out there as possible for all of our listeners, um, whether you've been through this uh, injury before, like I have, or whether you know someone that has done it, or this could potentially happen to someone you know or yourself in the future. It's just a very, very common injury. Unfortunately, it does happen, uh, but when it happens, you want to know what to do about it so that you can come back even stronger than before and not have to worry about suffering through how am I going to get back to where I was before. You may still go through that, but it's good to know that you have options and what those options are. So first I wanted to talk about the early decisions that you're going to have to make. So you tear your ACL or your friend tears their ACL, your son, daughter does the same thing, then you're going to have to make an early decision here. Uh, you're going to, If you're going to have it reconstructed, you need to pick a surgeon or if you're going to just rehab at first then or conservatively if you're an older active adult sometimes this is the right choice for you you may you don't necessarily have to have surgery to get back to where you were before um, but if you're gonna a younger person that's gonna be returning to uh, cutting sport jumping sport running anything that involves change of direction it's likely that you're gonna be going down the path of reconstructive surgery and so you're going to have to pick the right surgeon. So find, find the surgeon in your area that has lots of experience with ACL reconstructions. Um, if you have any questions about that, at least with the Bryan College Station area, we can help you out with that. Um, or even in other major cities uh, in Texas, uh, just reach out to us and we can help you with that decision. Um, one thing I wanted to mention is this matter of prehabilitation or prehab for the knee. So what is prehab? Um, after you tear your ACL, your knee's going to swell, it's going to be unstable, you're going to begin to get weakness in your leg, and there's going to have pain associated with it. So you want to do a few things uh, during that prehab time frame, which can be anywhere between four and six weeks, or even a longer period of time. Um, we'll discuss that in just a second. But typically it's about four to six weeks long. What you're going to focus on is decreasing swelling, restoring range of motion, and restoring strength and or minimizing muscle loss while waiting to have surgery. So that, like I said, that time frame can be about four to six weeks. It's fairly common, and that usually fits in well with the planning that you, that you have with your surgeon. And also, if you're planning on returning to your sport, then that's going to be a factor as well. Because one thing to consider is that, well, first of all, there is increased evidence in the medical literature that there's some benefit to a structured exercise program prior to ACL surgery. So it is very important to consider this aspect of prehab. Um, and this can involve a variety of things, depending on the individual needs and the time frame. Um, so with the longer time frame, there are actually some benefits. Longer periods may have additional benefits. However, you need to consider the potential consequences of delaying surgery in regards to return to sport timing. So we do know that waiting at least nine months of a good rehab program for return to play can significantly reduce injury risk. So you have to factor in that nine months after you've had surgery. So if you were going to have surgery, 
it's best to get that knee to calm down as soon as possible and once you're ready to go you have full range of motion good strength in your knee um, minimize the swelling in your knee then go ahead and when it's the right time for you pick that time with your surgeon and have that knee ACL reconstructed um, but like I said some individuals uh, especially older recreational athletes uh, like I would consider myself uh, may find through a course of their prehab program that they're able to restore function and return to their activities without ever having their ACL reconstructed. Uh, now I've worked with people that have gone this route and to this day uh, we haven't had anybody that eventually had to go back in to have surgery and I've worked with people that are um, a little bit less active going this route but also some that are very active um, even in professional sports. So even in their 20s. Uh, so a younger age athlete that is still playing their sport can take this route. So it's a decision that shouldn't be taken lightly that you need to discuss both with your surgeon and potentially your rehab professional like a physical therapist. Um, and so that early stage uh, prehabilitation period is extremely important in figuring out the best route to take. Uh, so next, one thing that you'll have to consider is if you're going to have surgery, um, let's go ahead and go down that route. If you're going to have surgery, you're going to have to decide which ACL graft to use. So I just want to go through some quick pros and cons of what's out there. So patella tendon graft, uh, some pros are the higher strength, uh, lower re-tear rate, and earlier graft remodeling. And so this is a little bit of details you don't necessarily need to write down right now. If you want to see a specific post on this, we have this in our Instagram account at College Station PT and you can go through the, the graph selection posts and there's some pictures there that have the pros and cons so I'm just gonna hit the highlights here the cons of that is a higher incidence of anterior knee pain that's knee in the front pain in the front of the knee a higher rate of knee extension deficits meaning you can't fully straighten your knee out and sometimes needs um, manipulation I've seen this many times in younger athletes um, whenever they don't have proper knee extension after an anterior graft like this, a patella tendon graft, and they have to go back in and have surgery again. That's not something that you want, so it is definitely a con um, and potential risk of patella tendon graft. Another option is a hamstring tendon graft. A lot of times we use, uh, surgeons will select this in a younger athlete that's not fully developed um, so that they don't do anything to the front of the knee, but the hamstring is a little bit easier to get to and also a little safer as they're continuing to grow. So some pros to that is a smaller incision better cosmetics in the front of the knee, minor hamstring weakness, um, not a whole lot, so just minor, and early regeneration of the hamstring than, patel than the patellar tendon. The cons are a higher incidence of tunnel widening, which is just something with the surgery. You don't want that. Uh, delayed hamstring strengthening and generally slower rehab progression due to the healing of the ligament. However, that slower rehab time is really in the long run not a big factor because you're going to be working at least nine months many people over 12 months of return to play anyway so you have that time to kind of catch up and the other option would be an allograft uh, or a cadaver it's shorter sur surgical time no donor site um, so you don't have a problem of that patella tendon or hamstring being taken out of your knee and but it does the cons are it has the highest failure rate It's four times higher than the autograft it's higher cost you don't have as good a knee stability usually and then a higher infection rate. So usually allografts are chosen for older individuals uh, that aren't necessarily planning on getting back to their original 
level of high level of function in that sport, whether it's basketball, soccer, football, um, stuff like that, where you're really cutting at a high intensity. And so many times they'll choose the allograft for those pros. And so whenever you're, there are, there are pros and cons to any decision made and each individual is different. There's many factors that play into surgeon's graft choice, including the patient's age, gender, sport, concurrent structural injury, and personal preference, and also the surgeon-specific training and more. So I'd always consult with your surgeon for their best recommendation uh, whenever you're choosing uh, the proper graft. And the next thing I wanted to talk about was why is my quad not working? So the quadriceps is the muscle in the front of the thigh. Whenever you have surgery uh, or an injury in the knee, that muscle will basically quote unquote shut down um, and it begins to atrophy very quickly whenever there's something wrong in the knee. So that's frequently observed after ACL surgery and it may lead to difficulty strengthening your knee, difficulty walking and quadriceps atrophy and decreased stability. So this atrophy is actually due to a process called arthrogenic muscle inhibition. It's a process stemming from the neural inhibition of a poor signal from your brain to the quad making it difficult to contract. So it's not just, it is, it is actually a little bit in your head in a sense because your brain is telling you to, telling your, your leg to completely shut down and you get a poor signal to the quad and it makes it almost sometimes impossible to contract. People can't even contract their quad when they're trying to. Um, and so this is something we have to work with them early on, get it going early on one way. Or one thing that also causes problems with this is sometimes a surgeon may perform a femoral nerve block to help with the pain after surgery, and that that blocks the femoral nerve from sending its signal to the quad, further adding to why your quads aren't working. So, and then also there's often swelling around your knee that makes it even more difficult to get a good signal to the for the knee to contract the quad to contract. So you have to minimize the swelling and strengthen the signal from your brain to the quads. And so you can minimize the swelling several ways by icing, elevating, using a compression garment, and performing light muscle contractions like ankle pumps, gently straightening and bending the knee to help decrease the swelling in the joint. To help strengthen the neural signal, you can use a tool called Neuromuscular Electrical Stimulation, NMES. It uses a device that sends electrical signals to the muscle uh, via electrodes on the skin. And this, along with voluntary contraction, helps improve the quality of contraction and strengthens the signal to the quads. So another thing you can also do without that NMES is just perform a lot of quad sets. That is contracting the quad. Once you get that signal working, you can strengthen it by just doing it over and over and over. Voluntary contraction of your quad to help reinforce that signal from the brain to the muscle. And so there's also some other exercises to help get the quad back. That includes straight leg raises um, on your stomach, terminal knee extensions that's straightening your knee, standing terminal knee extensions and quad isometrics or same contract same muscle measure contraction um, and the faster you can get a strong quad um, contraction the stronger the neural signal becomes and the quicker you can start to work on strengthening and getting back into the things that you love so that's the reason why your quad doesn't work after surgery it happens to everybody and so you have to do as much as you can to strengthen that signal from the brain to the quad to reinforce that signal again and to get it stronger. And then once that signal is um, reintroduced and becomes stronger, then you can st actually start getting strength in your knee when it's safe. Um, there's also one thing I wanted to mention, some early exercises you can do for the opposite side of the body. And so whenever, say, your right leg, right knee is injured, you can't do squats um, or lunges, stuff like that. You can do single leg 
exercises on that opposite leg, which actually has been shown in literature to show crossover effects to where you actually get stronger. You can get stronger on the uninvolved, sorry, on the involved side by strengthening the uninvolved leg. So right knee injury, one thing you can do is single leg squats on the left leg or uh, single leg Romanian deadlifts or uh, single leg calf raises. Anything just doing one leg and you can load it as much as you want as long as it's safe for the other leg and you're not going to lose your balance and potentially injure that involved leg, then go ahead and load up that uninvolved side as much as possible and you'll be able to actually sometimes, I mean it's not guaranteed, but see crossover effects of strengthening the uninvolved side to showing strength gains to the involved side. Another thing that we like to use here at College Station PT in performance, which many uh, physical therapy clinics use across the nation, across Texas, is blood flow restriction therapy. And that's something where we basically take an air cuff, kind of like a blood pressure cuff. We put it around your thigh, strategically in the right spot, really high up on your leg, and you're restricting the blood flow to the entire extremity. And we do that at a specific percentage with a specific pressure and that's been researched to show that you can get um, very good uh, strength gains on that side without having to load that leg the same way. So as far as you know, the science behind that, love to explain that a little more either in another episode of the podcast or in person if you're going through this with us, but something we utilize all the time and it's been shown to be very effective, um, especially after a surgery on the knee or ankle. Uh, we use this all the time when on our post-operative patients in order to not have to load their leg but get the same kind of strength gains as if you were actually doing like a 60 or 80% um, of your max back squat, stuff like that. So it's pretty cool stuff, Work, works really well. We use it all the time. Um, it's something that to consider whenever you're potentially going to have rehabilitation for your knee uh, after a surgery. Ask the therapist that they do blood flow restriction therapy and also talk to your surgeon about it. Some surgeons uh, would, would love for their patients to do that. Some still would not because they're not totally on board yet since it's a fairly new, new tool that we're using. But there is research that supports the benefits of it and the very low risk associated with the use of blood flow restriction. So... The last couple things I wanted to talk about is kind of once you get going in your rehab program, uh, first, it'd be good to do a little bit of research and finding the right PT. Many times your surgeon will send you to specific, a specific PT that they use. That's fine as long as you know kind of a little bit about the way they work uh, with their patients and the kind of ACL patients they work with and also the results that they're getting. So it wouldn't be a bad idea to give that P PT clinic a call ask them how many ACL patients they work with, what kind of results they see, and also it'd be another few questions that you can ask them is how much you will be working with the physical therapist themselves because there's a lot of things with ACL rehab that you have to be doing right early on um, and sometimes if the PT is not working with you it's hard to, to follow up on that and also to catch the things that you may not be doing so well in order to prevent uh, any kind of complications down the road or anything that would slow you down from returning to your sport as soon as possible, as soon as safely possible. So here at College Station PT, we work with everybody one-on-one -on -one with all of our patients. You're with the doctor of physical therapy the whole time. That's something that is very beneficial and useful in a scenario like this 
to where you're not going to miss anything or if you do have something come up some kind of complication you can address it very quickly because the PT is always there um, working with the patient so that's something to consider and you don't just necessarily have to go where the surgeon sends you but you have the right as a patient to choose your physical therapist so choose the one that is been working with ACL patients and spends spends the right amount of time with you in order to get you back to where you want to be because ACL rehabilitation is not an easy process it's a long process it, there's going to be ups and downs and you need to w be working with someone who's both going to help you physically mentally uh, the entire time and is always there to answer questions so that's something to definitely consider whenever you're picking a physical therapist now uh, one thing I wanted to mention with in regards to return to play I already mentioned this a little bit earlier uh, the minimum of nine months has been shown waiting at least nine months has been shown to reduce the injury risk the re-injury risk to that same knee or even the injury to injury to potential injury to the other knee because of compensation and so it used to be a little bit shorter time frame that time frame is getting longer and longer because of research showing that a longer period of time to allow the graft to heal but also allow the knee to become more stable with dynamic strengthening, proprioception, balance exercises. Um, the proper return to play guidelines and following all these things will give you a better chance at reducing the re-injury risk. And some people are, are even going up to 12 months and there has been research going up to two years, but someone like a high school athlete, of course that's not really possible. Even a collegiate athlete that's those aren't ideal time frames of two years even though we do know that the the graft itself can take uh, up to two years to fully kind of reintegrate into your your body's system but there are many th other th other factors as well so um, a minimum of nine months is what the research is showing right now um, but going out to 12 months there's nothing wrong with that as long as you're passing all of your return to play protocol guidelines with your physical therapist, then you're going to be doing that and returning safely. So I just wanted to throw this kind of podcast out there because I know there's a lot of people having trouble na navigating the healthcare landscape. It's difficult decisions to make. We want to have as much out the information out there as possible to help you make the right decision, whether it's for you or your friend or your child, to, to have proper um, ACL reconstructive surgery and also ACL rehabilitation for the best chances for you to return into your sport at or above the same the level that you were before so there's a lot of factors that go on under that one thing we will be doing continually to do with college station pt is the rest of this month and maybe a little bit into march is we're putting a lot of content out there about acl um, acl injury rehabilitation so head over to our instagram account at college station pt give us a follow and you can see a lot more information there of different ideas of what you need to be doing um, of course if you're in the area Brian College Station we'd love to work with you or if you have a question about somewhere in another city we do have connections with other other surgeons and therapists where we can get you set up with a proper place to get that knee taken care of uh, for you or for your loved one so again if you want to work with us here at CPT, CSPT or you know someone who would benefit, then you can reach out to us uh, at our phone number, 979-353-2492, or go to collegestationpt.com. There is a contact us form on there. You can contact us that way, or you can request a free phone consultation, and we will reach out to you. It doesn't really matter. Um, we will do our best to get in touch with you as soon as possible. 
And I just want to say, as always, thank you for joining us on another episode of the Active Texan Podcast.